Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home, another portfolio profile episode. Actually, uh, this will be the first portfolio profile episode to feature a company that the Ride Home AI Fund has invested in. Um, although, as listeners know, both funds invest um, in the AI companies as well. But today, uh, we're going to talk to Automated Data, or ADI, depending on how we're going to call it in this in this conversation. Uh, we're going to be talking to two founders, uh, Michael and Jason. Um, Michael, first, hello to you. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Jason, or, or should I say JT? Either one's fine. I guess it might depend on whether you're angry at me or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start off uh, with... Um, sort of what ADI does. I should say up front that if people want to learn more as we're talking, um, the website is automated-data.io. Uh, but whoever wants to do it, give me sort of like the the two-minute elevator pitch about uh, what y'all are building. Yeah, I can I can certainly start. This is Mike. Um, and then JT loves to and does a much better job of completing my sentences. So why don't we take that approach? Um, so automated data is essentially building out a, um, a, a, a data matching platform. Um, our goal is to materially automate the matching of data, which is arguably the most complex part of a, of a data integration task, right? And what, what we like to tell people is we're, we're trying to bring the data citizen uh, and empower them with the tools that enables them to match data in the same way that a, a very seasoned and senior data engineer is doing, or even a data scientist for that matter. And the reason we're we're doing this um, is because number one, it's really really hard, and if, and it's a ubiquitous problem. And if we get it right, we're going to be everywhere. That's one reason. Um, but we're also doing it because um, we have just talked to so many firms, so many clients that this is their biggest challenge around integration. It's just an exciting thing for us to try to solve. So that's the journey that we're on um, in terms of how we think about it. Like, what is the vision? The vision for me is install software in data center, point it to data, hit go, and you know this, the the um, uh, we, it just automatically creates essentially a knowledge graph of the enterprise. Like that's the that's the vision. Obviously, much harder to achieve than it is to say, but but even if you dial it back and you you take a step away from knowledge graphs and and the whole AI endpoint. Um, we're even thinking about again the data citizen in mind. We're thinking about how do we give, you know, the the, the Mike Rudes of the world. And I don't know SQL. I don't know how to program. I don't even know how to do a command line, you know, prompt login. Like, how do you give me the capabilities that I can connect data across the organization and get business intelligence done? Can I ask for a specific use case? Let's imagine. Imagine right now, listening is your dream client of the moment. Um, what is the problem that you're going to solve? What is the problem they have right now that they can plug um, automated data into uh, in, in, a, in a tangible way? Not just, uh, you know, th there's data sitting in various silos. Like, give me like a tangible real world. We have this business and we have this problem. I love that you start with the there's data sitting in a bunch of silos because like, I feel like that's, that's like the starting line for like 50 different businesses. <laughs> uh, I, I, I make the joke, but in, in some respects, that, that is like the reality of, of everyone's data stack. I think that uh, per perfect client's hard. Um, if I were to 
fabricate a perfect client, which I, I might argue doesn't exist, um, would be to have the business that is empowered, knows how to use data and, and can use it. Um, and to your point, yes, things are fragmented. Uh, I think we've seen time and again that people do try to shoot for the ideal you know, master data management. Let me put it all in one place and make it all perfect. And yeah, let me, yeah, I, I can count on one hand how many times I've heard that work. Uh, and I need a lot more hands and toes to tell you how many millions of dollars it costed. But in terms of the perfect situation, yeah, I mean, there's so many, it's it's hard. Uh, we're working with someone right now. I'll, I'll give just give you a real life example. Sure. We're working with someone right now who, uh, they're conglomerate. They have 50 operating units. They have zero desire to integrate that data. They have no, they don't want to, they don't want to disrupt those businesses. They don't want to, you know, lift and shift all their data centers to one place, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so for them, there's a very, very basic need just to connect the things they already have, right? It's, it's, kind of interesting like you know and you heard mike do our elevator pitch that this is very hard and a lot of people try to do this and frankly the space has been around for 50 60 years so there's a open question why haven't it why hasn't it been solved yet but if you think about the ubiquity of something like vlookup or join and sql like very basic things people most people i i would assume listening to this know what a vlookup is in excel uh, and if you don't, it's a simple way of of associating two values uh, in, in Excel, and they have to be exactly the same. And how often do you have data that is exactly the same unless you've made it yourself? Um, so it, there's so many places. Like I, I goof with my wife all the time that I wish we had this tool when we were doing our wedding like invite list between like both of our mothers to put that together mm. because you can see where this goes very quickly that we had a lot of overlapping things between my list and their list and so on and so forth so um there's a lot of trivial places it just there's so many applications to it it's kind of crazy well and and i'm gonna uh maybe i am dumb and in a lot of ways <laughs> i am but i'm gonna i'm gonna take the dumb uh position here and try to ask for like in, in simple layman's terms, this sounds like there's all sorts of info that folks have. To what degree is it a problem of just labeling and like identifying? Like, again, there's this data point, that data point, that data point. They're either all the same or all completely different, but you have to put it in this bucket and that. Is, 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 to what degree is the problem being solved here simply putting a friggin' label on a thing, a post it note, and saying this is that? That's a, it's a really good point. Uh, I think a different way I could uh, respond to your your tagging, like labeling it. There's a lot of different ways to solve this problem, right? One way is to clean the data, make it not different, right? Like that's a that's a very simple way you could look at this. Um, another way, yes, tagging, adding another value, right? But let let's go down your example a little bit. If I were to tag every single value and i'm going to pick a random company if i were to go through apple's uh, uh client list contact list right imagine trying to tag all of those right imagine i want to tag all the michael roods out there to figure out which one is our ceo right unless i know more information about 
the Michael Roods in this database, I'm going to, it's going to be very difficult, right? And, you know, a lot of this started with the census, right? Entity resolution. There's a lot of, there's a lot of words for this. There's data matching. We say data linking. Entity resolution is another one, right? And this all started with the census, as did a lot of different, you know, computing uh, uh developments right um where they were just trying to figure out like okay is this the michael rude that lives in new jersey is it the one that lives in new york city is it the one that you know lives in minnesota there's a sneak there that that's actually the same person three times that lived in different places at different points <laughs> so it, it's i'm kind of goofing here but that's that's the real problem right so you know, you asked about examples, right? I could go to sales and marketing and a common thing people try to do is the, the customer 360, right? Of like, how how do I understand my customer and all the things they touch and ways I have, you know, interacted with them, so on and so forth. That, that one's, you know, hard depending on your level of maturity as an organization, right? But I think, you know, and, and maybe topics we'll get into, because we have such wide applicability, you know, we have, you know, a lot of challenges talking to, you know, different companies, right? And and understanding, you know, what are your challenges? Because Mike and I could conceive, uh, like, Brian, we could pitch you right now, right? We could say, hey, you know, are, are you, how are you looking at your podcast listeners, right? Are you trying to understand, you know, their background demographics? Maybe you're trying to bring in some LinkedIn data to understand what places they work at. Maybe that helps you focus, you know, the topics of your podcast and, and how you create, you know, invite guests, et cetera, right? Like that, we just had a whole conversation about, or albeit I'm pitching you, but like, I just gave you a circumstance where you could be joining data that you otherwise would not have, or it would have been too hard. I'll stop there. Yeah, well, and one of the one of the challenges would be is I have all of these different platforms that the data lives on, right? And I don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. want to reinvent the wheel um, yep. or have to blow up every all of my systems or whatever. So um, the I'm assuming, and I know also <laughs> because we've we've uh, invested and, and spoken before, but um, basically. The, what the solution you've come up with allows folks to sort of ingest from their existing platforms and and then move down the chain until that it's it's all matched and put together in your system in a way that um is not like i said uh blowing up what what works yeah yeah i mean like i'll i'll kind of walk through the same thing you just did right if you have your podcast listeners we'll keep playing this example uh let's say it lives in hubspot um, and maybe Snowflake and some other places, right? Um, you know, we could connect to those sources. Uh, HubSot, I'd probably want to put into a Snowflake or another database, but I could connect to those sources. Uh, our system would read them in. We'd go through a matching process, and we can go more in the weeds on what that means. Uh, and then you'd get the opportunity to review them. So a, a big piece of this in terms of our platform, like I guess the first piece is how do I match the stuff? And the second piece is, you know, what is the workflow I go through to actually review it? And maybe for your podcast listeners, you might not care. You're like, as long as I get it reasonably good enough, I can move on with my life. Uh, so maybe you glance over it. You don't really make any changes. But then we actually allow you to export that back out. So there's a lot of systems that, you know, 
a lot. Eh, maybe I'm too liberal with that word, but there are systems out there that do matching, but then they make you stay in the system and they have their own database, their own this, their own that. And then you're kind of trapped a lot of the times. Um, so that's kind of the, the difference there. Um, we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com TechMeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tech meme zocdoc.com slash tech meme i'm going to a big ai startup demo day here in the city tomorrow and i will 100 be decked out in mac weldon clothing why well mac weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their Airnet underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer. Their silver crew neck t-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. The, uh, I mentioned at the start that this is the first... Um, AI portfolio company to to come on the show. So um, th- there's a two part to this because the second part I want to ask you is the you know you you arriving at the at the AI moment. But um, to what degree? Like I think that like one of the things that you did to get started on this was sort of using transformers to like build out a model of what you wanted to do. So number one, before we get to the second part about this AI moment is, um, is that is AI central or at least extremely important to sort of the solution that you guys have, have landed on? Yeah. And, and there's a couple different ways. Um, and you're, you're kind of leading, you're leading the witness here. Um, so I guess number one is yes, to your point, we have models on our platform, our models, our platform, I should say, is very extensible. So we've actually partnered up with a number of other people that are also developing models using AI, so on and so forth, AI being the umbrella term. Um, But we have some of our own things that do everything from entity recognition through to 
what you said, you know, sentence transformers and, and doing a little bit more uh, semantic kind of uh, similarity. Um, but that's just one way we're kind of interacting with the AI moment uh, to use that, that lingo. Um, so the other way that's, that's even more significant is that, you know, given how hard this problem is, typically the way it's solved today is you, you probably hire someone that is a data scientist, data engineer, or someone with familiarity of doing this problem, understands the problem space, can analyze data, probably is technical, right? And I'll pick on Mike since he picked on himself before. And it says, it's not Mike, right? Mike's the business guy. He knows and understands what the data means. And he'll understand like, oh, I, I'm probably going to care about the person's address and their name versus, you know, their phone number and their email, right? So he'll have that context and that domain expertise, but he won't know how to implement it, right? So that's the place where we're now bringing AI even more as part of our platform to say, look, we're giving you all the tools, but because there's such a learning curve to figure out how to use those tools, we're using AI to do it for you, right? And I'm not talking chat GPT, like I ask it to match stuff for me, because um, that's a UX thing, not a not an AI thing, although lots of cool AI behind it. Um, for us, it's more uh, we've developed a way to understand what's in your data. So really to understand that column A could, you know, be called A, but really it's a, a, the name of a company, right? And column B might be your email or something like that. Um, and we've started by developing a way to understand what those things are and, and that that model keeps growing. So that's part of it. We're also leveraging it to understand what models from a matching standpoint you should use with that data. So because I know it's a company name and we have certain expertise, among other things, we know what models we should be running with that type of data, right? And and that could be your model, right? We could extend it to be your model or, or a partner's model, so on and so forth, and or one of ours. Um, but that's that's kind of that first way. And then I'll, I'll kind of circle around to the end here and say, um, you know, and Mike touched upon this in, in the elevator pitch, but if we can streamline how you match your data and make it really easy, if we can connect to everything, the, the latter part that comes out of this is we start to see the connections between your data, which, you know, I'm saying connections and I'm trying to, I'm error drawing a picture of a graph, even though people can't see that, but we're, we're getting towards a knowledge graph, right? And there's a lot of talk right now around RAG and having knowledge graphs empower, you know, Gen AI and pick your favorite other buzzword. Um, but the, the knowledge graph space, again, not a new technology, but starting to get to a point where it's going to have its moment where as people come up the data maturity curve, that that's going to be the new thing people are going to have more. So if we can point and shoot and generate one of those, that's pretty cool. Well, and then, and Mike, I'll, I'll direct this toward to you. The second part is, um, you know, one of the things that everybody's looking to do is say, <clears throat> okay, let's, let's deploy generative AI, but can you, can you deploy it in my domain? Can you use what I have? Can you use what my organization has and labeling it and, and, and organizing it and, and getting it accurate is going to be key to even being able to, if you want to deploy a model in your enterprise and you don't have your data set up, it's it's forget about hallucinations. It's it's not going to be functional essentially. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's the running joke that I'm hearing at a lot of the conferences when I talk to subject matter experts. The fact of the matter is, everyone's 
seemingly uh, trying to get it to the shiny ball, but they're not putting the foundational work in to actually make that ball throwable. What are the good analogies? I don't know. Um, so, so you're right. Like if you don't if you don't put the hard work up front to make sure that your that your data is of of quality, it's complete and accurate, and it's connected. You're you're not going to have any of the benefits of the Gen AI uh, output. We were speaking with a firm earlier this morning, um, and this is exactly the conversation we had. They said, "Are we want to get to a place where we can bring Gen Gen AI to um, to to help our customers, to help our operational processes, to help our business? We're really excited about this momentum. That's where the conversation stopped and started, right?" We started talking about where their data is. It's siloed. It's not connected. They didn't have a lot of confidence in the quality of the data. I'm like, well, look, you're going to need this foundational technology that we're building to help you to get there. Right, because um, and and, and I mean, Chris and I talk about this a lot um, in the fund. Is it's it's like, um, look, all of the biggest models are trained on all of human knowledge, uh, which is great because it's trained on the internet and things like that. But it's sort of like the terroir in 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 wine and and like the the secret sauce for it to be functional for you is not to be trained necessarily on every reddit comment in the world it's to be trained on the applicable data that is actionable mm -hmm. for your enterprise exactly exactly one of the other things that we're focused on just sticking with the ai theme for a moment is we've we've partnered up with some of the folks on the ai side that are uh, laser focused on unstructured data which by the way when you think about all the data that's out there like there's bloomberg data there's refinitive data there's smp data like all data that's reasonably well curated reasonably well connected you know it has reliable or semi-reliable identifiers that stuff is relatively easy to work with. But then you get into the, you know, all the other stuff, which by the way is the vast majority of data on earth. It it doesn't have reliable reliable identifier. It doesn't, it requires probabilistic matching methods, which are never perfect. And a lot of it's unstructured. So the dream from my standpoint is is really unlocking the power of all that data using using our technology. You're you're not alone in that. I, I think it was Gary Marcus or somebody had a tweet yesterday that I saw that was essentially saying that is like, oh, we're assuming that because everything's trained on the whole internet that it has all of human knowledge. But he was like, I I, I really believe that ninety five percent of it is either not recorded or, as you're saying, not labeled or, or organized in a way that it's usable, even if you ingest it in any in any sort of way. Um, let me let me shift gears uh, sort of abruptly here for a second, but. Um, can you, to the degree that you're willing to go into it, uh, both of you, uh, what's your background? Um, have Do you have a background in doing startups? I, I, I think uh, both of you have a, uh, Wall Street backgrounds, finance backgrounds. Just, I, I'd like to, to know about your entrepreneurial uh, path. Mike? I, I see JT waving at me, so I guess that means I get to start. Um, I... It all started at the Minneapolis Grand Exchange in 1986, <laughs> uh, which actually was a, an amazing place to start a career. Um, exchanges with like legitimate trading pits are pretty cool places. But um, yeah, I, I wound my way out to New York City because all of my friends were have, getting married and having kids, and I didn't want to do that at the time. Um, got to New York City, worked on Wall Street for, frankly, most of my career. Um, had a ton of fun and uh, had an opportunity to spin out a tech company from Goldman called Ready, 
I was on the executive team there, ran that for a few years until we sold it into Thomson Reuters. Um, it's shortly thereafter that I joined uh, a startup uh, called Crux Informatics. That's where JT and I met. Um, and that's where I got really got my first exposure to all of these big data challenges that we're talking about. Um, had a lot of fun at Crux uh, while I was there, but you know, had the bug to go do something else. So left and um, this is, I guess, startup number two. It's the first time I'm a founder though. Uh, and I'm having a ton of fun. It's, you know, there's a no assholes policy. So we're working with really good people and we're building something that we believe in and we're getting a lot of validation from our clients, all of which makes us, makes us pretty exciting. But uh, 100%, most of my career was spent in big companies getting frustrated. Now I get to work in a small company being frustrated for different reasons. <laughs> JT, how about you? I like how Mike mentioned our no assholes policy that they very quickly amended to only known assholes. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> policy, actually. Yeah. If we've identified you, if we've labeled you to, to keep on the theme here, uh, yeah. that you can, you, it's sort of your grandfather, Dan, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I did not start my career at an exchange. Uh, I started my career at a company called FactSet, which is one of the big uh, kind of data companies up against S&P and Bloomberg and uh, Thompson, which is now Refinitive. Um, and I actually managed uh, data as a product there. Um, so that was my first job out of school. And it was owning uh particularly fixed income content on the fact set platform so understanding like how clients used it and checking for data quality and kind of making improvements that kind of stuff and then um uh i i always kind of had the interest of doing quant research my background's always been like technical just generally like i've been coding for a long time just on my own and um yeah i, I wanted to keep pushing towards quant it's math and computers and data and you can make money at it sounds great so and I, i'm not alone and a lot of people i feel like think that way and i i have changed my perspective on how to approach those things but um and so i marched towards that i i was client facing at FactSet. i did uh kind of i helped people build indices and all kinds of stuff like that i helped other startups right so that was my kind of exposure coming from like a veritable product development side to uh, a go-to-market uh, role, um, and kind of helping a lot of other businesses doing art of the possible, that kind of stuff. And then I, I did jump to the buy side for a little while, uh, did quant research at a, at a fund, um, which was, if you quant research is kind of like data science, it means a lot of things and it kind of depends on where you are. And because I was at a small firm, it meant everything under the sun. So I was building products and developing and doing research and, you know, a little bit of everything. And then, um, yeah, I, uh, from there, I, you know, I was looking for a new job, the fund <laughs> doing so well, this is when like, you know, passive was dominating and active was going down and it was this whole thing and ETFs and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, I was looking for something else and I like the pace of startups, at least the stereotypical notion of it. So, um, yeah, I stumbled upon crux, right. Uh, this was, uh, very early in Crux's journey, um, before they hit, uh, their series B. Uh, so before they landed two Sigma as their giant billboard client, um, which was, which is a whole story in and of itself. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, so I was there, I was the first solutions engineer, kind of laid the groundwork, built that out, hired a ton of the people that worked there at the time. And then, 
And I got yanked over to data engineering and built that. And then I got yanked into somewhere else and kind of floated titles for a little while and just kind of built out products. And yeah, then after Crux, I uh, ended up jumping over to Palantir for a little while, which um, my, my mini tangent story is that if you work at Palantir and then you leave and you set your status to stealth, you get a lot of inbound on LinkedIn, <laughs> like a lot of inbound, um, which, which happened. Uh, I met a friend or two that way, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah. And, and so, yeah, I jumped out of Palantir to come be with Mike and do ADI. So, um, Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. That's that's the story. Let me let me use Palantir to seg into a couple of sort of uh macro questions. And you know, we we've been hearing about things like um big data data being the new oil and all that stuff for more than a decade now and, and, and managing um, the, you know, infinite amount of data that is being generated to, to, to make it valuable as a commodity that enterprises can, can, can act on um, is not new. I'm curious now, again, to bring it back to the AI model, if it was already a big, difficult problem to solve a giant bear to wrestle is it just getting even 
bigger now because essentially the the AI moment is sort of a different flavor of 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 taking data and making it actionable for enterprises to to use in in whatever way is useful. Yeah, I I think the very simple response is yes. Um, I, I'm gonna also. Uh, I don't know if you follow Scott Taylor. Also, we're not related at all. We we mm. made that joke to each other. Uh, Scott Taylor has something he talks about, and he he does uh, talks about master data management, etc. But his take on data as the new oil is he's actually rebranded it as data as the new bullshit, um, which is also an appropriate appropriate phrasing of this. Well, there's often a giant pile of data and a giant pile of bullshit. So <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. I like cute, you know, generic sales pitches, right? Data is growing over time and it's still growing and we are not using any of it and blah, 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 blah. And here's an iceberg picture, right? Like we, we, we've all heard that story about a million times. Uh, who, who, you know, how are we chipping away at it? Right. I, I think that's the bigger question. Like, I don't think anybody's going to disagree that there, there's more data out there. We're writing more programs, we're building more things. You know, I can I could probably get a puppy delivered to me by on my phone if I wanted to, right? Like there, there's apps and things or everything, and we're being tracked all over the place. Right. So because there's all this data, great. Who's using it? Right. And 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 are you leveraging it? And then and who's using actions. it effectively also. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's tons of call to actions, like you know, and enter in all the consulting firms of like how to leverage your data and blah blah blah. Right. And but it is a valid question. Like uh, a guy I talk with on a regular basis, Chris Tab, um, him and another gentleman, Matt Housley, who who co-authored the book on data engineering, right? Fundamentals of data engineering, which is tremendously uh, well-respected book. Um, they're writing a whole book on business value. Just, just you know, how do we talk about value, especially with respect to data, right? And it's, it's interesting. And I, I keep pushing them to the fact that it's kind of comical that nobody talks about the value of accounting to the business, right? We know what that is. Like, how, how do we not know the value of data? And, you know, this all kind of cycles back to maturity and, you know, how we think about you know, the data we have and what we can do with it. And, you know, that, that brings us to, you know, our, our sales cycle of art of the possible and what that looks like. One more uh, sort of big question. Um, for the last two weeks on the show, I've been talking a lot about the whole debate in AI between, okay, maybe open AI is going to, or whoever has the largest model is just going to win everything. And they, by the way, um, to note, this is uh, November 7th. So this is the day after the OpenAI um, Developers Conference. Um, what are you seeing? I, I, I want to get back to the debate between open source and like, you know, a big silo, a Microsoft or sort of play in terms of the clients you're talking to. But what are you seeing? Do you, are you seeing in the folks that you're talking to as your first customers, do you believe that there will be one model to rule them all? Like it'll be sort of that enterprise play where it's like, um, well, we go with IBM if you were 40 years ago, or we go, it, or do you see that this is a marketplace where it's not just one model, it will be different sorts of flavors? I'm biased to the different flavors. Mm -hmm. Mike, did you want to jump in? No, I, I I was gonna I was just gonna mention that um, 
we are firmly of the opinion that uh, the further we progress with especially the AI technologies, we think there will be more fine-grained use cases uh, for, for matching. So here's what's going to happen. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to go back to your point about data. You're going to have more data. More firms are going to want to leverage that data. They're going to want to leverage that data to, to power their business and their operations. Much of that will be driven through some sort of AI solution. Um, and so to me, that means you've got an increasing number of matching use cases. And by the way, every matching use case is its own rabbit hole, which is gonna require its own its own reference data, its own perhaps, you know, bit of, of AI logic stuck in there somewhere uh, to make it more efficient. So so we think of this as, as, a, as a majorly growing problem and it's one of the reasons why we jumped in. I will also say, and then I wanna hand it back to JT, I will also say that we've been using some of these AI solutions to help with our matching, and we do not find them to be particularly helpful uh, mm. for certain types of matches, especially entity resolution and things like that. We actually find that the approaches that we're taking, uh, which include them, but it's more of an ensemble approach, right? We've we've created this concept of of pipelines where we use different matching models, perhaps sometimes daisy chaining them, sometimes you know creating creating new paths of logic based on if then statements, things of that nature. That gets us to a much better matching result than uh, than some of these AI technologies. Yeah, I. I... I agree with the points that Mike made just broadly that, you know, more data, more models, et cetera, right? I, I think that there's an interesting one that we're already seeing today, and, and maybe it's just because we're early days, right? But one model after another comes out, right? And none of these models um, are the answer to all problems, right? And sure, Skynet sounds great, so does the Hitchhiker's Guide and all these other things that presumably could. I mean, it, it's funny. I use the Hitchhiker's Guide. That that couldn't even do everything. You tell me everything, but it couldn't do everything, right? Um, but you know, and and you know, uh, sci-fi often drives a lot of these things forward, right? If you look at some of the, you know, some of the reading out there, etc. But yeah, I don't. I don't. It's hard to believe that there's going to be one model to rule them all, so to say. Um, how do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for a hundred different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1000% for one password. I can't live without it. One password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, one password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. OnePassword's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash ride. 
With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features features help you say the right thing at the right time every time plus you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to constant contacts best in class 97% deliverability rate i use this and you should too tackle any challenge with constant contacts expert live customer support plus everything's backed by their 30 day money back guarantee so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Constantcontact.com. And to what degree, you know, is, uh, again, I, I, I'm sure you're not uh, regular listeners of the, of the podcast, but uh, from the AI conference I went to last month to the things we've been talking about in recent weeks, to what degree is it a potential of there will be a thousand flowers blooming if there if this is an open source movement in the sense that um, yes I can go to Microsoft OpenAI Meta maybe Elon's thing or whatever and and I can use it as an enterprise plugin or I can I can not it doesn't necessarily have to be on premise or anything like that but like it's it's too, it's fine tuned to me in a way that it's not just a, a plug and play it's more this is this will the, the, I, I am leading the witness again but i'm i'm sort of getting the sense that one of the things that will almost empower clients of yours and other people in this ai moment is that it will allow everyone to create their own secret sauce for their own enterprises and use cases um, so that you'll want to control and refine how your AI works because that will be so key to how it's deployable um, for your operations and for your customers. Yeah. I, I think there's some, there's, uh, there's potentially like a natural evolution here, which you're getting at, right? We've only, we haven't really had anything before. Well, that's not entirely true. We've had we've had a lot of stuff that was probably under the covers that wasn't as transparent. It's not you know this Gen AI moment right now. Um, so yes, uh, you know as we've now incorporated more data, taught it more things, adding more information to that mix, and inevitably is going to produce better results that are more focused on our particular outcome. We, I could make the argument though that okay, we go through you know a period of time where everybody's fine tuning theirs, and then you know at some point past that, you know there's such a degree of information that's available that I don't need to fine tune it anymore. That that I I now have unlocked more information. I think. Part of this, and this is a little bit of a, a repeat, right? 
data foundations is such a big important thing right so the only reason that these models have been trained and fine-tuned is because not all the world's data is publicly available right <laughs> shock and awe but like yeah it's, it's not um so because it's not all publicly available i i do have to go and find a model whether it's public or not public and, and that kind of just depends on typically interoperability and commercials among other things right it's it's sometimes it's performance sometimes it's not but by and large the big models these days are all kind of within you know earshot of one another um but then it's like okay i want to use my own proprietary stuff but conceivably if all of that information was out there like if i if i could i don't know i'll pick up an arbitrary example if if i loaded up uh the latest and greatest llm with a ton of and it's probably already trained on this stuff but like if i if i loaded it up with a ton of finance books and you know the curriculum from the cfa and you know people love and hate that thing but like uh the the, the bloomberg gpt being exactly yeah. exactly right but it's, it's exactly that point right like well, Bloomberg loaded it up full of all of its stuff that it usually charges people an arm and a leg for, right? And and they willingly pay because you don't have access to that stuff. So, but at what point will that data become a little bit more commoditized to your data as the new oil point, right? There's growing amounts out there. People are going to start figuring things out from other angles, right? Like there might come a point when you don't need to fine-tune it number one um but uh, i mean let's let's play this argument um if this is entirely true but if machines can only get to as smart as humans are or as dumb as humans are depending on your perspective um right if it can only get up to us like we ourselves are trained like mike is trained on you know high frequency trading and electronic trading right like he, he knows that space like i know quant research and some other stuff right like so i myself even possessing like you, you can only consume so much machines can obviously consume a lot more but then let's play a different argument like you know they're all based on statistics and you have to infer context and that's stupidly hard and um we were listening to uh bill inman who's a is a well-known person in the data where he created the data warehouse like he's he's literally the creator of it um uh talk about how um if i said i was going to fire you right does that mean I'm going to light you on fire? Does that mean I'm going to shoot you out of a cannon? Does that mean I'm going to remove you from the job? Right? Like, I, I, who, who, who knows? And, and, you know, somewhat obviously machines may or may not be able to figure that out based on other data points. But again, we're somewhat of a circular answer. We're coming back to the fact of lack of data uh, becomes the problem. Um, so, uh, we'll see how things evolve. I don't see people, you know, pushing Bloomberg data onto the internet anytime soon. Um, that, that is going to end up in some lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about the, the legality and the IP of that <laughs> sort of thing, but, um, um, exactly. Michael, I'll let you, um, answer, um, and, uh, have the final word on that, but, uh, basically just, it's not just going to be the biggest model will always be the best. It's not one model to rule them all. Essentially, we're we're all betting that there's a certain amount of refinement and a certain amount of 
uh, I keep using secret sauce, but let's call it um, expertise, domain expertise, and 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 you only get out what you put in, and if you just put in everything, that's not necessarily going to win. Take myself off mute. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and and what what we like to do because these are these are difficult big topics to to take on and you know one of the challenges that we have when talking to clients is they they don't they're scared of these daunting projects they're scared of these big things and so the way that we try to come at it is, is to to be very targeted very narrow in our approach like hey we you know mr underwriter you have a problem you know making sure that all, you you understand all of the entities that are that you're insuring right now and that you understand the the risk that you have you have the 360 review of each of those so you know um all the tertiary risks that you're potentially exposed to wouldn't that be a great thing to solve heck yeah so you know we come in and we attack with that very specific problem with very set of specific matching algorithms that are very focused and trained on private company data. And then eventually the guy turns around and says, you know what, I also have a problem with this other type of data that I'm dealing with. And, and so for us, it's just, it's just, you know, one match at a time is one of the expressions we like to use. Like you're not, you're never going to get there boiling the ocean. You've got to get there just one step at a time and one model at a time to your point. Um, so you know, it, uh, you have a uh, background in Wall Street. You just mentioned underwriting there. Uh, if if I'm listening right now and I'm at like I don't know, a hedge fund, insurance company, Fortune 500 startup, who who's listening right now that should get in touch and get in touch with me? I'll put you in touch with these folks. Um, but who should get in touch and and see um, what uh, automated data can do uh, tomorrow for you? Yeah, thank, thanks for asking that question. So uh, JT said it too, like every department within every company has this challenge. I think we're probably most, we're probably all most familiar with the challenges that marketing has, right? In terms of their customer databases and, and really focusing their campaigns and making sure that they're not sending two emails to the same person and, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so that's, that's a really obvious area. Um, but but frankly, every department in every company uh, has these sorts of matching challenges. So we can kind of start everywhere. What I would tell you is that the the repeatable motion is typically around companies, private companies in particular, um, because it's sort of the one of the more hairy areas of entity resolution. Um, you only have a few firms out there that that try to tackle this, and I won't use their names, but they don't do the best job in the world. And trying to get a th an accurate 360 degree view of private companies from those sources, not going to happen. So um, yeah, so we're, tr we're working with a bunch of, of nimble uh, tech companies and data companies that are trying to solve this kind of a, as a group. Um, so private companies is one of the areas that we're, that we're really focused on. Uh, we're focused on um, the commercial real estate side for the same reason our, our head of product actually came from commercial real estate he understands how just awful that data environment is and talk about un you know unstructured data you've got mountains and mountains so so those are the those are the areas so for your listeners that that care about private companies or care about really hairy data around uh commercial real estate and those sorts of things maybe in, maybe even spatial use cases that seems to be another one that's gaining traction um those are those are probably areas where we could uh, we could help your listeners. 
Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants. The right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at cutsclothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. Cutsclothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Well, a uh, reminder again, um, if you want to check it out on the web, it's automated dash data io but as always uh email me uh brian at ryan home fund i'll i'll put you in touch uh directly um if you have an immediate use case or an immediate problem to solve um if you let us know that um that would be the best way to to pass it along um jason michael anything else that people should know if they are excited about this want to get involved are you hiring are there introductions to folks that you'd love to to have anything Chutu, why don't you go um, I think the thing, and I like to talk about this just a lot in general, and it, it kind of is my, and I, I would argue our sales philosophy a little bit, we're happy just to talk, right? Just because you get us on the phone and, and, you know, we talk through your problems, I'm not going to jam our product down your throat, right? Like there, there's, I've been on the receiving end. I've been on the delivering end of these sales pitches too many times, right? Like, and, and, you know, kudos to salespeople out there. It is a hard job. Um, but I, my sales tact is not to, and our sales tact generally is not to, you know, we're not the pushy salespeople. I, I think we're more interested in trying to help you genuinely solve your problems. Um, so that's why we end up pulling in lots of other partners, lots of other solutions. We'll make recommendations. Like we're here to help you. Uh, I, I guess that's my more disarming <laughs> uh, uh, pitch out there of just, you know, we're, we're happy to talk, right? Uh, there's a lot of people that are still trying to, you know, kind of where we started this, understand what's possible, what they can do, right? And, and sometimes you just need to talk to somebody that knows how to do those things or, or can explain what's possible. Come lay down on the therapist's couch and tell us your problems or something. Yeah. 
<laughs> kind of or, yeah. or meet me at the bar and i'll buy you a beer there well, you well. go there you <laughs> go uh jason suggested that maybe we should do these episodes at a bar uh maybe they would uh <laughs> we we'd, we'd get uh deeper and and the conversations would flow a little uh a little looser but um uh, this was a fantastic conversation uh alcohol or no um uh michael jason thank you so much um everyone check out adi automated data automated Dashdata.io. Um, I um, am happy that y'all were the first uh, from the AI fund to come on the podcast. So thanks for um, thanks for kicking that off. Thank you. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, Brian. 